This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to episode three of BXB, the new Yankees podcast brought to you from Odyssey. It's on all your favorite platforms. I'm Sweeney Murdy, along with Keith McPherson. We are pleased to be joined this week by Randy Wilkins. You might know some of his work. You Yankee fans saw it probably during the course of the summer. The director and producer of The Captain on ESPN. Randy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I know. What's, you up, what's up? What's up? Good morning. What's up, Randy? The three of us have all interacted on Twitter, but here we are live in person and we get to uh, just chop it up a little bit here. Keith, I know the twins are our besties, but they let us down on Thursday night. <laughs> no, nah, the umps let us down and uh, Aaron Boone let us down. <laughs> nah, I mean, I'll, I'll take three out of four. If, any if anyone would have looked at this team and the shape that they're in coming into this series and said, You'll take three out of four. It's hard to sweep teams. You're not going to be able to sweep them. You'll lose by one run in that last game. We would have said, fine, fine, fine. Despite all of the uh, injuries and some of the other disappointing losses, I wasn't as disappointed with that loss last night. Randy, what do you think? I mean, they're they're not in must-win territory. I think we kind of always have to remind ourselves they're in first place. They have a beat on a playoff spot. There's a, a long game here to be played. But, you know, and listen, they want it. You want them to win every day, but winning every day isn't necessary at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I always look at the long run. I uh, look at big picture. So to me, they're a first place team. Uh, I know that they have blown a pretty significant lead, but uh, you build it up for a reason. So when you get to these points in the season, you kind of have a cushion to, to rely on. And I think that that's the phase of the season that they're in. I don't think any of us anticipated Um the lineup that they've been putting out the last couple of days, but I think the work early in the season is paying off now. Um, so for me, that's still a positive. I mean, if, if they were five games up back in June and they had this swoon, you know, there'd be a totally different conversation. So for me, uh, they're treading water. They built the lead up. That's the point of building a lead up early in the season. Uh, I'm not panicking. I'm not totally concerned. Uh, I was annoyed with last night though. I think that's one yeah. of the, the games where I've been pretty angry. I don't really get too emotional about games day to day. Uh, but yeah, I agree with Keith. The, the umpires stole that game from the Yankees last yeah, night. What's guys, what's the thing that bothers you most about? Is it the umpiring call last night? Because I, I mean, I kind of get it because the call on the field, here's what I think would have happened. Okay. However they called it, whether they called him out at first or they called him safe at first, the other team would have challenged that. And I think it would have stood. I don't think there was enough to overturn whichever way you called it. And unfortunately for the Yankees, it was called safe and you couldn't overturn it to out because, you know, the ball resting against his belly is not controlling the ball. I, I, I thought he was out, but I understand the call. Keith, what do you think? I, I think it was more than just that call. Um, Obviously, that's the call that everyone's talking about because that runner on ends up being the runner on when Carlos Correa comes up. And I mean, and it's we the can third out, frankly, that's three outs. Correa doesn't bat that inning. Exactly. So one thing leads to the to the other. But that same first base ump uh, had a terrible mistake of a call that he 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 called the guy out when the ball was clearly out right. of the glove. See, and it's fine. You know, he corrected that one. That was that's no harm, no foul. I mean, it just looks goofy, right? And then behind behind home plate, 
that guy was all over the place all night. So it's like the whole crew. And I hate to say this, but going back to like, I think like the 2019 season, it was always Yankees versus the umps. And you could get a feel when an umpire crew was trying to help the opposing team. So it was like the Yankees got to beat the opposing team and the umps. It's the last game of the series. It's getaway day. Uh, the, the twins are a good team. I felt like the, the umps had their backs a little bit. And then in a game like that, when you're I can't put it all on like they're lean. I I can't ever go with they want the other team to win. I can. <laughs> I can. No, I can. They're not, they're not rooting. You know, Tim Donaghy aside, and I think there's a new book Tim about that whole scandal. You do not root for you know sway calls towards one team. You might you might hate the calls. That's they fine. were they were in my opinion they were leaning one way. Uh, and uh, the thing is, you're playing with fire when you have a lineup with a bunch of different guys in it that aren't usually in it. Yeah. Um, that's why I say the umps let us down. Boone let us down because it's a it's a concoction. It's a uh, uh, like a chemistry project. You're putting this, a little bit of that, and a little bit of this. And if you don't make the right decision on what you add to that, um, a Greg Weissert or uh, pulling Nestor Cortez or, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's going to blow are, up on you. Those are things that, I mean, that those are all out of necessity. I mean, Nestor Cortez has been out a couple of weeks. There are a lot of guys who worked, including a doubleheader, uh, a, a lot of times in these in this game here um, that were unavailable. You have a lineup that's kind of constructed out of necessity. You know, we always say, let the kids play. Okay, well, Floreal's playing and Andujar is playing and Peraza's playing. Cabrera didn't play yesterday, but you know, he's been in there. You know, Randy, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, this is done out of necessity happening at this point. Yeah, I just want to go back to the call at first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem I have with that call is that I've seen multiple plays in the outfield where outfielders bang up against the wall, fall, the ball falls on their chest, and they just kind of hold it and cradle it and it's considered an out. So, I mean, I've seen that play happen before, and umpires have called it an out, and nobody really but, thought. But the foot on the base at the same time is the difference there. You know, the outfielder right. isn't actually I mean, holding he, foot anywhere. Right. But, he, I mean, he, he did cradle it with his foot on the base. I mean, it did, I agree with you that, like, whatever they called it would have stood, and they either yeah. side would have challenged. But it just feels like I've seen that play before. Yeah. Uh, and it's been called an out. But – I actually didn't have an issue with uh, Boone's decision-making last night. Um, I think I'm not uh, an Aaron Boone manager fan. Like, Yeah, I've seen weeks of that. If you find him on Twitter and he's at Dan's <laughs> son on Twitter, uh, yeah. yes. Yeah, you, you can sense that. I don't, think yeah, there, I don't think there are any Aaron Boone manager fans. Oh, no, there are a couple. There are a couple. Manager I, fans in general, it's really hard to find. Yeah. Uh, so – but I feel like the decision last night to go to Weiser wasn't a bad one. Um, I get like in hindsight, it didn't look good and he didn't execute that last pitch. But I mean, Weiser was pretty good against the twins all series and they were pretty baffled by that slider. So I get why did he just hung one and you had a great player capitalize on it. I mean, I think it happens sometimes. Uh, but yeah, a lot of these things are out of necessity now. I mean, it's, there aren't many options on the bench. Uh, I think he had the one bullet with Stanton last night, and Stanton looked better in the at bat. But you know, obviously, still having some timing issues and not totally feeling comfortable at the plate. So, I think it's just a survivor thing now. You know, like tread water, yeah. do as many games as you can, try to battle and see what happens. I mean. As we saw earlier in the series, a lot of guys stepped up in different situations. So, I mean, they just need more of it. And really, the pitching is going to carry them at this point. I mean, if they pitch yeah. well, they're going to have a shot. If they don't pitch well, I mean, the, the game's practically over. So, I think that's the whole thing. You know, Keith, this lineup is not um, – and I don't know we, – we can't – plan on it getting better. You know, Rizzo's injury, LeMahieu's injury, Stanton, whatever he's going through, I don't think you can see the light at the end of the tunnel because the tunnel is so short now, now that you're in September. You have to rely on Aaron Judge, a couple of guys maybe getting a key hit somewhere, and the pitching, pitching, pitching. Uh, I think that's what's going to drive where the Yankees are going to go in October. Um, I, I, I do have, Keith, I need to ask you, though, can you talk to some of these guys? It, it didn't work when Jose Altuve was here. It didn't. It's not working when Carlos Correa is here. Can you get him to lay off of these guys because yes. they're using it as fuel? They're beating your team, Keith. That was a huge part of my show last night, right? I I wasn't I wasn't really sweating this game. Like I said, a four three loss. Uh, they had the lead. You know, a couple mistakes, whatever. Umps. 
Boone, whoever you want to blame. I wasn't mad about this loss. They took the series. And uh, my, my main sticking point last night was enough already with the cheater, cheater, you're a cheater, boo. I'm like, these guys are professional athletes, right? They made it to this level because they can handle all of that. Not even just handle all of that. That type of stuff motivates them. They relish it. Can't wait to shut the fans up. And a guy like Carlos Correa, who's having a down year, you think he's not ready to play in Yankee Stadium? Of course he is. He had two home runs in this series that were big home runs. And Yankees fans that just keep egging him on, keep adding fuel to his fire, they don't realize, like, yeah, you think you're heckling. You think you're helping the team. You think that you're getting back at Carlos Correa for something that happened five years ago, something we found out about in 2019. We had our fun in 2021 when he was an Astro when he came to town. I also said last night George Springer came here and they did the same thing to him and he killed us. Altuve kills us. Stop it already. But, you know, you can't police fans. Fans are going to go and do what they want. They paid their ticket. Some of them may have paid for that ticket just to go there and heckle Carlos Correa, and he yeah. made us pay. He made us pay. He's he's a dog like that. He's that kind of player. Enough already, though. I've, I'm I'm begging the fans. I, I I said this. What if we do get to where we want to go, and it's an ALCS against the Astros, a, a packed house? Yeah, Are we gonna yeah. give them more motivation in that? Absolutely. Like, we don't I don't. Want th- I don't think we want to egg them on. I mean, I think you want to do everything you can to. To, you know, just to beat them. That's all you got to do is beat them. And I'm curious now, we talked about some of the lineup things. Randy, do you think do you think that Peraza is short and IKF at third is the way you want to go going forward? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think uh, – I mean, Donaldson's kind of run his course as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, yeah. even in the last month, his defense is kind of falling off a cliff, whether it's like inaccurate throws or – unsure hands I don't really know what's going on but he's he's a negative at this point I mean he was a negative at the plate obviously but I think it's transferring over to to the defensive side and IKF honestly looks like a different player at third base I mean I know he's talked about the amount of work he's had to put in at shore to to be consistent it just feels like his natural position on the infield is third and he looks like a different guy. And you can see that the plate is a little, he was, little bit he more. He was better at short the last couple of games he was there, too, to be he honest. Was. He was. He was. Tampa was rough. He got it's just Not yeah, to cut Tampa you guys off, but it's like it's, it's just interesting how this last week has gone, right? From last weekend, his struggles in Tampa and Peraza being there, but Peraza not immediately getting that shortstop spot. Then they come to the Bronx, and Peraza is four for four in his first game at shortstop. And then IKF. He's in home runs. This guy is a different player. He's comfortable, yeah. kind of like we saw Glaber Torres move from shortstop to second base and find his swing again. So where are you going to move him now? That's my question. Where can Glaber? you move him comfortable now? This is a huge key. Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't – I mean, I, I, I think Peraza has made an impact. Cabrera has obviously made an impact defensively. Um, I, You know, it's interesting they're playing the Rays this – this series this weekend and it feels like the Yankees have to go into raise mode now, you know, it's going to have to be pitching and defense yeah. to win these yeah, games, yeah. you know, and then hope that they get a, a key hit or kind of fight to get a couple runs, which is the raise formula. And I feel like the Yankees are better equipped with better defenders on the field to pull that off. So to me, IKF and Peraza on the left side allows that to, to be a, a possibility a little bit more than IKF at short and Donaldson at third. I'm scared. I'm scared. It, to Dude, me, it's why? to me, it's Kevin Cash versus Aaron Boone this weekend. Um, <laughs> Wander Franco is supposed to be coming back. I said last night on air, the Rays are comfortable in the Bronx. Out of all the teams, like they come to, they don't get booed. The fans don't have anything for them. Because they, they don't, don't know any of the players. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of them. A lot of them don't even know Wander Franco. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm looking at it as you know. Chess versus checkers, man. And if uh, Aaron Boone wants to get into this back and forth with Kevin Cash, Kevin Cash is well-equipped, and they know what they got to do. This is a big series this weekend. I think, you know, their their pitching staff is built differently to the point where they know this is kind of how they do. And it's funny, like, I talked to Stu Sternberg, who's the owner of the Rays, when they were in town a few weeks ago. And he's, I, I said, listen, I, I mean, really, how do you do this? 
how do you do this all the time? And he said, you know, frankly, one of the key things is our drop-off isn't that great. When we get a player injured, we've had a ton of injuries. The next player down, you know, we don't have superstars who get injured. Then you have to try to figure out how to replace them. The drop-off is that much, and everybody just kind of fills in. So it's a, it's a different kind of system, a different kind of philosophy that's kind of hard to think about. But, I mean, that, they're, all, they're all buying in, too. And I think when you have a team of superstars, you're talking about guys who want to get up there and lead, and they want to get out there and lead the charge, whereas you got the Rays, who, who as a group, they're kind of buying into the group mentality more. And I don't think, you know, listen, with the Yankees leaning on Aaron Judge – I don't think they're getting away from that. I think they're moving more towards that because Judge is the only one guy who can save this offense most nights. But they're – I mean, I do want to give them credit. They're competing with this, like, you know, makeshift lineup. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like their competitive energy is kind of lifted again. I mean, I think that they were like that for the majority of the season. Then they hit that lull and they weren't really having good at-bats. They it didn't feel like they were competing at the highest level. Yeah. Um, I think in the last week they've gotten back to that. It's a little bit more like scrappy, do what you got to do, kind of just, you know, this can't be pretty. It's got to be a little dirty now. And um, I feel like they've they've kind of picked that energy up. And I think that it's the right time going against the Rays. I feel more confident than Keith does. Um, <laughs> I think that I just don't. The Rays are good, but I don't think that they're world beaters. And I think that really agree. there's not a great team chasing the Yankees. This is yeah, when people yeah. talk about 78 Yankees, Red Sox. I'm like, like those are two great. Yeah. Teams. I don't yeah, think yeah. there's a great team chasing the Yankees. Right. I mean, I, I don't want to disrespect Tampa in any way, but I don't, I don't also, I'm not like shaking when they show up or when they're, they pop up on the, the schedule. So um, I think they're evenly matched at this point, just because the Yankees are compromised. And I think, it could come down to Boone and Cash, and I would share that fear with with Keith. But um, I also think there's a chance there for the Yankees uh, to win this series. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead, Sweeney. <laughs> drop the tag. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to BXB, the brand new Yankees podcast from Odyssey. It's available at all your platforms. Go ahead, subscribe, follow, review, all that jazz. Uh, we're coming to you twice a week, the rest of the way during this season and postseason. And uh, obviously during the offseason as well, because there's always news. But we hope that's farther down the road. Uh, again, subscribe, review, follow, all that on all your favorite podcast platforms. It's BXB brought to you by Odyssey with Sweeney Murdy and Keith McPherson. Our guest on this episode is Randy Wilkins. He is the director of The Captain, which we all watched and loved on ESPN this summer. It's streaming on ESPN+. Plus. As we get ready for the Rays series, uh, Friday night is Derek Jeter appreciation night, I guess is the best way to put it, Hall of Fame night because of COVID and the delays and all that stuff and the ceremony. The uh, night to honor Jeter was pushed onto this year's schedule, and Friday night, that's when it happens. Um, you know, Randy, let me just start with you on this one. Keith, uh, uh, you know, you can follow as you as you got through the summer and you saw how the captain was received. Um, you know, what would like how did that feel to you? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, I knew we had something great on our hands pretty early on. I think Sweeney, you and I had talked about that uh, in the past. Um, but, yeah, it was it was remarkable. I mean, I. I it was overwhelming. I mean, there are a lot of like positives and superlatives that can be attached to this experience. Um, I think one of the biggest things is something that I didn't really anticipate because I was obviously so involved in the day to day of putting the project together is uh, the emotional impact that it had on people. Yeah. Uh, the memories that it brought up. Uh, there are people that are in the film that have passed away that their family members or friends reached out to me and said how much it meant to them. Um, there's a funny moment. Uh, in the first episode when George Steinbrenner comes back and there's a little girl, uh, the baby, uh, yeah. that looks at Steinbrenner a little funny. That woman, like, reached out and said, you know, that's me and this is crazy. And um, I think just the emotional resonance beyond just, like, what they were seeing on the screen meant a lot to me. Um, 
yeah, it was overwhelming. I mean, there were fans from other teams that enjoyed it. People that don't watch baseball or not particularly sports fans that were really into it. And we had them hooked. Uh, so it's a great compliment to our work and the amount of uh, dedication we put to telling the best story possible. Keith, um, you know, for me, this is reliving my adulthood. For you, this is reliving your childhood. What was it like? Yeah, uh, I think uh, when I went to the screening at Yankee Stadium, I, I sent Sweeney some pictures. I was just so pumped in there. And people were in there crying in the first, like, the first, the opening. It's it's emotional. Um, talking about how Jeter grew up and racism and what he experienced and how his parents raised him. There were people legit in there tearing up. And then as the story gets told, you could see the joy that people had. And I had that, too, because it, it takes you back. It was, it's a legit time machine. Uh, and it retells the story. And for me, I, I was a little kid. So there were things that I learned in the doc. There were things that I didn't know or didn't remember or, or couldn't know. Because when you're a kid, your your brain just can't take in certain things. You don't know certain things. Yeah. I, I loved it. I loved the screening. Um, I loved actually watching it all play out. I think they started it around like All-Star. And, uh, you know, it, it. I knew it was going to be great. I was hyping Randy up. Um, from from yeah. the first time that I saw that this was a thing on Twitter because we all saw the last dance during quarantine with uh, yeah. MJ and the Bulls. And then as soon as Yankees fans heard that we were going to get something retelling the story of Jeter and his five championships and his career and his legacy, uh, I was all over it. So it was, I mean, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how it was going to be done, but it was so well done. I loved all the interviews, all of the people that they had. Um, and I loved how we got to see Derek Jeter. You, you don't ever really get to see Jeter like that. And now he's been on, you know, this whole tour and it uh, is coming to Yankee Stadium tonight. I'm sure it's going to be packed and uh, you'll hear the Derek Jeter chants. And man, I really just hope that that energy goes to the team. It doesn't always, if you remember. Oh, this, remember the night that he got his number retired, man. They, the Astros <laughs> they got smoked. The Astros came here and right away that game was over. I think Tanaka pitched. It was done. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you guys watch this yeah. and not feel something? Last year, when when they had his uh, Hall of Fame ceremony on the big screen, like they showed it on the big screen and they yeah. showed the Yankees on the field watching They're it. All on the I'm field like, watching it, yeah. How does that not get you fired up and ready to play? Then they go out and lose. So I don't you know, know what's funny about the number retirement? The number retirement was five years ago in 2017, right? And I think it was part of a doubleheader because the game got rained out the day before. And – Jeter has the whole ceremony and they made him available to us in the interview room after. So, so it's in the first inning of the game. So we all go down and we talk to Jeter and I come back upstairs. It's like eight, nothing or something already. It's like, what happened? Like they smashed Tanaka in the first inning. You know what it made me think about? Cause I always look at Jeter and Kobe in like the same light, like similar guys. It made me think about when Kobe came back and they retired his two jerseys and the Lakers, we're losing, and you just see Kobe pick up his daughters and his wife, and they're, they're on the sideline exiting before the game is close to being over. Like, Kobe's like, I'm out of here. I got better things to do. <laughs> I got a real – I got an important question for you. I don't think I asked you the last time we talked about this. Um, you know, and it's probably more relevant now that it's been viewed and it's been over. Um, did Derek like it, and was it important for you if, that he did like it? Uh, he loved it. I didn't know how he truly, truly felt until it was over. Um, but, yeah, he loved it. And I think the biggest compliment he gave me was thanking me for protecting his story. So I think if you know Derek, you know how much that means to him. Like, that that holds a lot of weight. Um, and, yeah, of course. I mean, you, you of course you want him to, to enjoy it. I mean, you, you know, that he's involved. So, obviously, you know, there's a vulnerability there. But – for him to genuinely enjoy watching it, uh, I think is something that is also like a, a pretty high compliment, especially for someone like Derek, who I don't think just hands out compliments. Like he doesn't yeah. strike me as a guy that um, will just start dropping all these compliments on people just because I think he's incredibly focused, as you can tell from the film. So I think that's his natural instinct. So to kind of step outside of that, it was greatly appreciated. The things that he opened up about personally, like about his wife and his children, those are things that we haven't heard before. Did you have to pull that from him? Was he open to talking about it or did you have to kind of reach for that? Oh, no, he was he was open when I the first time we actually met in person was back in 2021 at a Marlins game. I went down to Miami and 
Uh, we watched the game. Actually, there's a funny story with Floyd, Floyd Mayweather uh, that night. But, uh, yeah, he told me right away. I mean, we, we started actually talking about the film while we were watching the game. And he had briefly mentioned what happened with Hannah. Um, and he was already telling me parts of the story. Uh, you know, the big thing was, will would Hannah be comfortable talking about it? Um, and obviously she got to the point where she was and she was incredible. And I think she's one of the stars of the show. Yeah. Um, but Derek was ready to talk about it right from jump. I think that he understood the importance of sharing that story for other people. You know, it's not, unfortunately, it's not a, uh, an experience that is just specific to Hannah. There's a lot of women and a lot of families that go through what she did. Um, and I think, you know, it was incredible, incredibly strong of both of them to share it because I think part of the reason was to let others know, you know, what, what they went through so that they can have a connection and feel like they're that others aren't alone. And especially with everything that was happening with the Supreme court and decisions with Roe versus Wade and all that, I think it had a higher importance, especially to the women that watched the series. Yeah, very much so. And Keith, I think it's funny, like the generations, like, you know, we're talking like we're of two different parts of our lives watching him. And like, I've got my kids interested in watching this and they were, you know, they were just barely born when Derek's career was over. So um, it's, it's funny how it's touching all kinds of different things. And the things that you're talking about, like things that you didn't know because it was just a different time in your life. Now you can appreciate those kinds of things. Yeah. And, and being on Yankees Twitter, um, you know, I'm 34. So like 96, I think I was in the second or third grade. And like, that's when I started getting into baseball, started getting into sports in general. But being on Yankees Twitter with some of these younger kids that are 10, 15, um, even 20 years younger than me, they have not they don't know any of this. They know of it. But like it was really educational for a lot of these young kids. And I feel like I could tell in between, like as people were watching this, young people were watching this and then looking at this Yankees team. There even was some jealousy. These kids are like, man, I didn't see any championships. I didn't live through any of this. I missed this whole dynasty. Like, hey, blame your parents. Oh, like, man. <laughs> there's, some, there's, some, there's some poor 12-year-old Yankee fan out there saying, I've never seen my team win a World Series. Uh, <laughs> How crazy is that? It's interesting. Uh, it's interesting you, you bring that up because uh, in a lot of corners of Yankees Twitter, there's an angst, you know. <laughs> in every corner. Yeah. And uh, I get it to a certain degree, but then I have to remind myself that a lot of people on Yankees Twitter did not experience the dynasty. So they're they're the generation after. And that's something that feels like a relic. Like it's it's a myth, you know, and they obviously want their own dynasty. So that could be a part of their life experience. And it hasn't happened yet. And they've kind of gotten the frustrating part of the (laughs) of the Yankees run. so watching or watching others watch the doc, you know, I think it was interesting in that sense that, you know, they're they're trying to connect to this thing that was a, a myth to them or like a legend. But then as soon as, as Keith said, they go back to their current team, it's not connecting. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was interesting far, to watch. Far that. from it. Yeah. <laughs> far, far from it, man. When you when you listen to Derek Jeter and even guys like Bernie and Mariano, you know, when they just talk about how focus they were on winning that was it they were competitive and they wanted to win in their approach and how they even even going back in the doc right showing donnie baseball and the impact that he had right mlb network had a doc on donnie baseball that i watched and i missed donnie baseball i i wasn't old enough to to remember seeing him play at all and i felt some of that angst that these kids have but i felt that angst as far as wishing i could root for a player like that watch a a guy that was that clutch, watch a guy that came out there and played first base like that every day. But it wasn't a championship thing. I got to see championships. That's what got me into baseball. That's that's what got me thinking the Yankees were going to just run the table every year. So both, of, listen, so both of you guys, as Yankee fans, like love the championship era at different times in your life. But I got – listen, I've said this plenty of times. I don't know if it's – if I can say it enough, okay? 
I think every Yankee fan is making a big mistake if they think the next World Series championship, whenever it is, is followed by two or three more. Dynasties don't happen all the time, and the way the game is built right now, repeating is is really hard to do one time. If people, th- if there are Yankee fans out there, I don't know if you two are among them, if you think the next dynasty is happening, I think you're both mistaken. You have to find a championship and then just you know kind of let that happen. The dynasty is really hard to do this sport these days. Oh uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think about dynasties. I, even when I mean, I, I was in high school in '96, so like, even when they were winning in '98, '99, I think when it got to 2000, it was like, okay, we're gonna win. But like, I think even with '98, because we had '97, and it was like this, this is terrible, and you sure. know. I don't I don't think people assume that there was a dynasty in the making, even in the moment until they won a couple. So I think right now it's just win one. Like, please, yeah. just win one. Like, get another one, please. You know, like, just get to the World Series. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. And, and this is harder. Listen, and, and the guy there are two people who are going to drive this. And uh, I'm going to get into that in a second. Um, there are two people who are really going to drive this home, and I think it's important for them to have a big month. I want to remind you that you're listening to BXB. It's the brand-new Yankees podcast from Odyssey. It's available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Make sure you uh, subscribe, follow, review, all that fun stuff. Uh, Keith McPherson, Sweeney Murdy. We are the hosts. We're coming to you twice a week uh, during the rest of the season and postseason. And our special guest this week is Randy Wilkins, uh, the director of The Captain, and obviously with Derek Jeter uh, night happening Friday night uh, before the opener of the Rays series, a wonderful time to talk to Randy about that, about Derek, and about his beloved New York Yankees because he is a fan. Guys, there are two people who are going to drive this home. I know it's a team game. I know it's a team sport, but the Yankees have been riddled with injuries, and we are in mid-September. It's not going to get better soon. It doesn't feel like. Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole. Aaron Judge wants a lot of money. Garrett Cole has a lot of money. They're being paid for this particular reason. Drive this train home. I know baseball is not built the same way that football basketball is, but these guys have to be the ones that drive the Yankees to where they want to go. Keith? Yeah, they, they I mean, <laughs> it's funny when you look at those two. One is hyper consistent, overly consistent like out of this world consistent yeah. with his approach and what he does at the plate. The other one, he's got otherworldly talents, but he's not consistent enough on a uh, every outing basis. I mean, we, we give him his props for the strikeouts and we give him his props for the career that he's put together, but it's a roll of the dice with Garrett Cole. Uh, his last outing was great. Yep. We don't know what his next one will be. We, we go into his last outing thinking, Oh man, there was a, you know, postponement double header oh the first game goes extra inning you're on this creature a habit thing on him aren't you you're like oh throw it off by just this much what garrett cole are we gonna get because he's broken out of his routine or he's thrown off of his process and he showed up but yeah you you pay the guy 36 million dollars a year to be an ace and he you know as far as the yankees go he goes he has to lead the way he has to be the ace of the staff. Yeah, we've gotten some good performances last year. Let's not forget he was peaking at this particular point last year before the hamstring injury, and I firmly believe that affected everything we saw after that. But he was earning his money and peaking at the right time last year. Yeah, COVID hit him. He had the hamstring, and then the Yankees faltered. I, I, I will never get over the fact that here we are with the Rays again. That last series with the Rays in the Bronx. The Yankees won one game, and they had to walk that Sunday game off. If they were able to take – they should have taken that Friday night game. That one was hard. If they take that Friday night game, they they host the wild card. Then Garrett Cole doesn't have to be in the bullpen at Fenway with the fans right on top of him. These guys have uh, stuffed animal Kermit the Frogs, and they're making fun of his voice. And then John Carlos Stanton doesn't have to hit the ball off the green monster. Those balls go out into left field bleachers. Uh I don't know, man. I think, you know, as we get down to the wire here, as we approach October, you're going to lean on those guys, right? Because who do you have? That's why I even look at Glaber Torres. I'm like, hey, kid, you're supposed to be a superstar, yeah. right? You're supposed to be one of the guys we can depend on. We need you. You can't be going 0 for 4, striking out three times, looking for a walk. So, Especially when you're batting behind Judge right now. 
You've yeah. got to be able to produce in those. But see, spots. that's what I'm like. All right, I don't know. I don't know if Boom makes the lineups, but that's what I'm like. Blame Boom. You got you got Gleyber Torres batting third. You got IKF batting fourth. Like, who's gonna bat in front of him? Who's gonna bat worst, behind him? What's what, the worst that could happen right now? No, there's there's no other options. We got Miguel and Duhar uh, DHing yesterday, and and he came alive. I didn't even know John Carlos Stanton was available. I mean, it it, it is what it is right now. You're fu- you're figuring it out with less. Randy, how how comfortable are you with the idea of riding Cole and Judge? I mean, I kind of made the comparisons this week, you know, uh, like Danny Manning leading Kansas to the NCAA championship. You know, I'm thinking Kirk Gibson and Oral Hershiser kind of thing for the Dodgers. That was not a great team, but they, you know, they did great things. There's a run in there if these guys carry the Yankees there. Uh, for me, the the focus is more on Aaron Judge getting opportunities to help the team win. You know, yeah. when, he, when he does have his at bats, I think uh, the the pitching staff is fantastic. I'm not as worried about Garrett Cole. There's Nestor Cortez might actually be the ace of the team uh, this year. Uh, you have Montas. Hopefully, that star in Tampa gets him going. Um, they pitched well. The bullpen is starting to, to come yeah. around. Now. I think that the pitching compared to where we are this year compared to last year is significantly better. Um, so I, I don't think you have to ride Garrett as much as we need to uh, when you think about the the whole of the entire Yankees pitching staff. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they'll get Seve back soon. Uh, hopefully Britain joins them. Um, Nestor obviously came back. So I'm not as worried about leaning on Garrett as much as I am concerned about Aaron Judge getting legitimate opportunities to influence a game just because he doesn't really have any protection. And I think – it really highlights like how important DJ LeMahieu is to this team. Um, I know like the conventional thinking is, you know, who's hitting behind judge, but to me is who's always hitting in front of judge. Sure. Like if you have traffic on the bases. It's a much more difficult decision to pitch to judge or not. If yeah. you have first and second or guys on first now, are you creating more? Do you want to create more traffic intentionally or, or are you like going to take this risk to, to pitch to Aaron? So um, I think LeMahieu's presence and lack thereof right now um, is really impacting them more than people uh, have been discussing lately. Um, hopefully Stan comes back for this series and he has a little bit of protection behind him. But finding somebody that can get on base in front of Judge feels crucial. And right now they don't have that guy. Like Aaron Hicks is unplayable as far IKF. as I'm. I, I yeah. said the other day on Twitter to someone, I'm like, I am convinced that they do not want to put IKF in the leadoff spot. They'll put him everywhere else. But IKF is starting to hit now. Why not put him in the leadoff spot? He's got speed. He steals bases. Is it something that they absolutely won't do? I think they like guys who take pitches to bat in the first inning. I think – and it, when you're Aaron the, Hicks. So that's why well, Hicks is well, there. Yeah, I, a, a big part of it. You know, the ability to draw a walk and get on base in front of Judge, like Randy's saying. I think what if you look at the way they've constructed lineups or tried to when they're healthy, you know, trying to get a 20 pitch inning, 25 pitch inning on a on the starter in the first inning is kind of sets up everything in motion because you're probably pushing across at least one run if that happens or you're working a guy pretty good to the point where you've knocked in you've knocked maybe you know, the sixth inning off of him and he's he's out in the fifth inning. I think that drives a lot of what they do, but you know, Keith, if Randy's pointing to DJ LeMahieu and it's, I mean, clearly he's one of the most important players for the Yankees. Um, who's, who's your guy right now that you want to lean on if it's not Judge? Is Torres the guy that has to step up? No, it's Peraza. I'm already yeah. nervous for the kid. He's okay. got to step out there in the six hole tonight and he's going to hear the Derek Jeter and he's going to feel some of that. And this is going to be the biggest crowd tonight that he's played in front of in the Bronx. He's absolutely, he's already thrust into like, Hey man, we need you to be a star. Uh, And that could be a lot for a kid. Also, I'm looking at Oswaldo Cabrera. Those two guys have brought this young energy, the spark that everyone was saying we needed a couple weeks ago. Um, At at this point with Glaber Torres, like I said, I know he's supposed to be the guy, but I can't depend on him to be the guy. And uh, I know what I'm going to get from judge. IKF now is a guy that we're 
we're feeling more confident. Like, it's kind of weird. IKF comes up to the plate, and I feel like I've got a better chance all of a sudden than, than I did in the beginning of the season. It's hard. Um, it swings so wildly, right? And, I mean, <laughs> listen, he goes 0 for 4 tonight in a couple of spots. You're going to swing back the other way going to Saturday. Um, you know, Randy, well, Keith, go ahead. I will say, you know, sometimes it's good to be young and naive. You know, so sure. with somebody like Peraza, I mean, he's already had big hits, like getting on base in front of Judge, um, had a couple extra base hits. He might not know any better. He might just say, oh, there's 50,000 people here. Derek Jeter's here. I, I got to show out. You know, this is my yeah. opportunity yeah, yeah. to kind of legitimize what everybody's saying or thinking about me. So, you know, it could it could go the other way. It could be a positive where they're just like they feed off that energy and, you know, contribute in ways that we might not expect. That's the thing you don't know sometimes with these guys. Because I remember last year at one point when the Yankees got hit with a bunch of COVID cases, they had to rush up like three guys all at once, right? And I remember watching during batting practice and a couple of coaches are going over to him. And I said to him later, I said, What's, what, are you, what were you telling them? They said, did you see these guys when they walked out here? All they're doing is this. is They're looking around. They're looking at the upper deck. Like they've never seen the third deck before. It's like, oh, whoa. Okay, we yeah. got to bring these guys back in. Because if they're going to, you know, they can't play uh, comfortably if they're if they're not comfortable in their surroundings, like, like focus them in. These guys look like they are expecting to be here. Cabrera, Peraza, like they knew that this is where they wanted to be. And that moment isn't too big, but that still doesn't mean they're not going to struggle. We saw Cabrera go through what? No for 25 before that big hit. Um, he won a game though. I mean, you know, he, he did win a game for them. And, Much. and Much Some that, of these guys he, got it. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, he, he saved the game defensively. You know yeah. what I mean? And like after the game, when he spoke with uh, Meredith Morakovitz, he just kept talking about, I compete. Like the only yeah. thing I care about is competing. So I think when you have that attitude, you're not looking at the third deck. You're looking at the other team and you're like, okay, how am I going to beat these guys? Which, you know, and when we talk about Derek, that's the only thing that he thought about too. Like, how am I going to win tonight? So hopefully Peraza and Cambrera, you know, have that same mentality going into these big games this weekend. Aaron Judge is under the microscope, and earlier this week, Randy Levine, the Yankees team president, uh, talked about his contract situation a little bit on The Show, a podcast with Joel Sherman and John Heyman from the New York Post. Um, I, listen, I wasn't surprised by anything he said. Like, I mean, you know, you're kind of almost public negotiating at that point. Why would he give anything else away? Uh, like, I looked at it as the Yankees are going to make a really good offer for Judge, it's going to be up to Judge to decide if he wants that or not. I, I think if we see that Judge doesn't come back, it's not going to be because the Yankees didn't, quote, offer him enough money. I think they're going to offer him plenty of money, Keith. Yeah, I went back and listened to Randy speak, and it was only 20 minutes, but uh, he, he didn't say a lot. But if you listen to how he spoke, he, he said enough, right? He said he looks at Aaron Judge, and the Yankees look at Aaron Judge as an all-time Yankee. Uh, he said they're going to make a competitive offer. To me, I'm like, there is no competitive offer. You don't have to compete with anyone. You're the Yankees. That's your guy. <laughs> you you outbid everyone, and you keep your guy, and you keep your guy happy. Yeah. Um, you know, and and they also he also spoke to, uh, you know, the difference that like fans I don't think realize like like there's there's Hal Steinbrenner, there's Cashman, right? There's there's different um, there's different responsibilities and. You know, when free agents aren't acquired, like fans want to blame Hal and say he's cheap. Uh, but, you know, there's player personnel and there's guys that look at talent. And Randy said, he's like, I'm not a talent evaluator. I'm not a talent guy. So, I mean, I didn't take too much away from that. I think a lot of people wanted something to be mad at, um, something to, to run with. But all in all, I really do think that Aaron Judge is going to stay a Yankee. Um, and that's the last thing I'll say about Randy Levine. He also kind of hinted at the fact that the Yankees offer more than the other 29 baseball teams can offer because he's being a Yankee. And he talked yeah. about, you know, Babe Ruth and Roger Maris and uh, this home run chase and Aaron doing that in a Yankees uniform. And I don't know. I think he's the next captain. I think he's going to make $300 million. I think he's going to sign an eight, maybe nine year contract. And the Yankees know that he is everything for their team and their business and their brand right now and it'd be a huge mistake to let him go over a couple dollars they're uh worth six billion they just acquired ac milan uh there's people at the stadium every single night 
buying their merch, no matter whether they're struggling, winning five games up. Compartmentalizing this baseball budget sometimes. And that's the part that gets frustrating. You're right. They've got all this money. We can't make them spend it. Like people say, you know, like when I report on, okay, I don't think they're going over this number. I don't think they're going after this player. They're like, why, you know, why? Like, I can't make them spend it. I know they have plenty of money. And Sweeney, they, if they're not signing free agents, right? If you're going to, if you, if your need. You got to bring the kids up. If you, Well, if your need is shortstop and this past year was the best free agent shortstop class in, in years. And yeah. if you've passed on all those guys, right? Because you don't want to sign a Jacoby Ellsbury type contract. Yep. Who are you going to pay? You pay an Aaron Judge. Yes. You pay your own. If you're not going to pay somebody from the outside that comes in, this is a guy that you know can play here. This yeah. is a guy that you know handles himself well off the field, knows how to speak to the media. Like, this is the guy that you pay. If you're not paying free agents, this is a guy that you pay. And he's a guy that, that brings people together. I mean, he's got a different kind of personality. And, like, you know, Randy, I like – you know, you got into a little bit of Jeter's leadership and his style of leadership in this doc, you know, and I, I think, you know, and even looking back, you can tell that, that Derek regretted some of those choices and actions as a leader. And I think Judge is a different kind of person. He has a different kind of personality that that I think embraces that side of it maybe more than Derek did. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh... – the little I know of Aaron judge, I think that he has a little different worldview than Derek does. Um, I think everything that Derek did was in the, the prism of trust and loyalty and, um, you know, being comfortable around people. And just because I think of his experiences growing up in, in Michigan, I think that that really painted the way that he looked at the world and how he was going to interact with others. I think it's a little different with Aaron judge. Um, I don't think that, Judge comes across as guarded as Derek. Um, I think that he's a little bit more communal when it comes to a locker room, I think. Um, and I think that makes a huge difference. I don't think that, um, you know, he – not that Derek did this intentionally, but I think just the way that he went about his business, there could have been people that, you know, couldn't really approach Derek or never felt like they got in that inner circle. I don't think there's an inner circle with Aaron Judge. I will say, though – Aaron Judge didn't win a title his rookie rookie year. So Correct. things are different yeah. when you're a champ as soon as you get there and you're one of the major reasons why you have a ring. So I think Derek's career is vastly different from Aaron's just because one won a, a ton <laughs> right away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other one hasn't. So um, I think that also has a lot to do with it. You know, you just have a championship medal and you did it with your guys. You know, you came up as a core and you guys won together. You know, it wasn't like they just went through this free agency frenzy and all of a sudden started uh, winning championships. They, they did it with guys that they came up with. That's not the case with, with Judge. Yeah. So um, I think it's a little different just because of their experiences as Yankees. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – I think I don't think Judge is going anywhere. I mean, I think he's going to be a Yankee. I, I've never been worried about that. The question is, are they going to get anybody else beyond Judge? And, you know, right. that's what my concern is. Like, you have other holes on this roster. Yeah. Is it just going to be a Garrett Cole situation where you bring Judge back and you're just like, okay, we're done playing in the market? You know, that's a larger concern for me than whether or not Judge comes back. I think he comes back. I, I agree with Keith totally with those numbers and how important he is. Um I didn't really look too much into Levine's comments. I just, I just think Randy Levine needs to stop talking publicly. Yeah. Uh, it's like it, it almost. He always, wants to get his shine on Randy. Randy, yeah, Randy, Randy, Randy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, not, listen, he's not, he's not a hot dog vendor. He's the president yeah. of the Yankees. Okay, you know when he, you know he's he can, when he talks, everybody listens. Yeah, and but it's like sometimes, man, we don't, we don't need to listen to that. Say I less. Mean, say less. Yeah. Yeah, say more um, when you say less. I get yeah, it. Exactly. So, um, you know, that was my reaction more than like a concern that they're not going to bring Judge back. I mean, I think I think he's going to be a Yankee for life. Uh, you know, this this might look bad in a couple of months, but uh, I never really felt like a a worry that he wasn't going to come back or isn't yeah. going to come back. Let's uh, let's put a bow on this, Keith. Uh, big series coming up here, Tampa Bay. You and I are going to talk again on Monday. You feeling good? You feeling lucky? What do you think? No, I think uh, the pitching matchup favors Tampa. Drew Rasmussen tonight. Um, Corey Kluber again. The Yankees, I think, will face Corey Kluber for the 
fifth time this season. And I think it's TBD for Sunday. But like I said, I just feel like the Rays are comfortable here. I feel like it's going to be Kevin Cash versus Aaron Boone. And Kevin Cash wins that a lot of times. And uh, there needs to be a sense of urgency, which I think there is. But with this team... Uh, this, with this team right now being so different and and different guys, like Marwin Gonzalez has to play first base. And, and, like, and he's not playing it well. That's part of the problem. Part of the problem with last night's, the replay thing is, you know, Gonzalez with the, with the catch and the feed, and he could have saved another error earlier in the game. I mean, that's part of the problem here. You know, they're not, they have, they don't have enough players for the right positions. Need a little bit of luck, um, but I know, you know, what can happen will. And uh, the, the Yankees got lucky this week already. They got lucky running those lineups out against the Twins. The Twins were in town, the, right? The Twins cooperate. The Rays do not. So I'm not I'm not optimistic going into this series. I think okay. this is the series where we see that, that lead uh, shrink down. And uh, it won't be panic time, but it will certainly be worry time. What I'll say is, is this to put a bow on it. Tampa, go look at Tampa's schedule after they face the Yankees. So, you know, they've they might knock us down a little bit, but then they've got to go, they've got to go face Toronto and Houston a ton. So, yes. Yeah. So it's going to play, it's going to work out a little bit. Uh, Randy, you feeling good? You, first of all, you excited for tonight and you feeling good. I'm very excited for tonight. I'm happy that the fans and Derek will uh, say hello once again. And, you know, uh, share, show love and share love with one another. So I think that that's great. And, um, yeah, I mean, I I feel confident. Like, I mean, yeah. I just feel like if sometimes if you just compete, good things happen. So I think that I don't think that the Rays have that much of a pitching advantage. Um, I think Montas has been great against the Rays all year. Um, he's kind of been their version of Clu- Corey Kluber. You know, they yeah, can't yeah. really figure him out. Um, and you just got to compete. I mean, I, I always feel comfortable and confident. Uh, so I, I just don't think the Rays are a great team. So I don't think that. You know, they're yeah, going to do things to like make this like insurmountable or something like that. I think there'll be competitive games and I am worried about Boone. But uh, beyond that, I think if the Yankees can execute a little bit more than the Rays, they'll be fine. I mean, I think it just comes down to winning at the margins uh, outside the Rays, of the managers. So the Rays are a worrisome team. They're not a great team. You know, right. that's maybe that probably is under Franco. Yeah. Telling yeah. You with Wander, Wander and, Franco is out there. They're different. And has how long is it going to take for him to get his stride? Right, he hasn't been out there for a little while, so we'll see what happens. And maybe by the time you and I talk next week, Keith uh, Harrison Bader will be part of this. We'll get into that yeah. because you know, you know, Randy mentioned defense. You know, this is this that's what this deal was about is doubling down on defense, and we'll see if he becomes part of this by the time we get to this next week. Randy, can't thank you enough. Congratulations on all the success this summer uh, and enjoying uh, or trying to enjoy the Yankee season. The captain is available to stream still on ESPN Plus. Correct. Yep. All seven episodes. Fantastic. Um, it was wonderful to watch the first time, and I know that uh, many people are watching it over and over again. And thanks for uh, not leaving me all in the editing room floor. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, <laughs> uh, Keith, have a great weekend. Uh, we will talk on Monday and wrap up this series. This is BXB, Bronx Baseball, new podcast from Odyssey, and it is available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Make sure to follow, subscribe, and review and all that jazz. Uh, We'll talk to you next week, and hopefully the Yankees are still in first place. They might be. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and thanks to Randy and Keith for joining us.